0: All right, it's time to talk to David. Locke's interview every week brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Let's get out to the Sprint Special Guest Line Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Hello, David. How are you?
1: Hello, Jake. Hello, Gordon. Nice call him the other day, Gordon. Good job. Thank you. As always. Thank you. Good work.
0: Uh, why don't we Why don't we start there, uh, David? I'm assuming you're talking about uh, Gordon's column about Donovan Mitchell and and his voice and and listening to uh, maybe what Donovan has to say, and that could be a, a definite benefit in our community. Give us your thoughts on what Gordon wrote and that situation with Donovan and as vocal as he's being.
1: Well, I think I'm gonna go big. Just go big picture for a second. I really feel like this is a movement that's going to last years on end, and I think is important and not going away anytime soon um and i think it's awesome and i'm you know i've read about everything i could about civil rights movement and i've always wondered what it must have been like to live in the in the 60s and when it was all going on and you know always wondered like had i grown up in the south would have i been of the and and raised Would have i ended up being one of the people in the mob trying to terrorize a seven-year-old girl going to school, or would have I stepped out of it and been on the right side of history? If I lived in the North, would have I gone down to the South and marched? Like Who would have I been? And depending on how I was raised, what have, have I been able to see out of the cocoon of which I was raised under to see what was right if I was raised in, in a house that taught me the wrong values on this issue? And, the, and these are right and wrong, not, not like some other issues where it's just a political debate. This is about fairness and equality and And treating people equally and giving opportunity, and so this is about right and wrong. And I've always wondered that. I've always truly wondered, uh, as I've read history. You know, you see those pictures of those what now just look, you know, the fire hoses against by by what is it, Connor, police chief Connor, and you like, how could someone ever do that? Well, they were in a culture in which that happened, and it doesn't make it right. And you wonder. I've always wondered and asked myself, like. If I was there and raised in the in in a house that had the wrong beliefs on this, would have I been strong enough to to break through and and so, I think it's a fascinating time to be alive. I think it's kind of awesome to watch it happen and to watch someone like donovan at at twenty three and twenty four years old step forward and and he's going to be—he's will, willing to be a spokesperson. He's willing to take—I think he's got to, you know know—he's got to be willing to take the heat that comes with it every time that he he steps out. It's going to be ugly, and there aren't going to be people to support him. He's going to have to know he's right, and 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 be that person. And he, you know, his his mom and dad raised him with intention, uh, is the way I like to phrase it. There was nothing accidental ever happening in Donovan's life. Nicole was on it, and Don Mitchell was on it, and you know they—you know, Nicole you know took jobs based on where Donovan would get schooling to give him exposure and and so he's a unique bright young man who, is, who seems to be walking himself into the forefront of a movement and that's hard and it's impressive and um it's a, it's fascinating to watch and I, I i i'm i'm there for him and i don't know what that means and i i'll support him and you know For a day at men, I went through all the mentions and blocked a lot of people. Like, if you're going to treat Donovan like that, then I'm blocking you. You don't get my stuff. That's the way that's going to work. That's not a lot, but that's what I could do that day. So, um, and I want to point out, by the way, on those comments on Donovan, I don't think this has been talked about enough. I went through every single one of them. 80% of them were high school kids. And that's where this starts, is Education. And that's what I think is interesting, right? Because I read about the civil rights movement at the same age as those kids. And, and would have I been strong enough at that age to buck out of what I've been taught at home or if I wasn't taught enough at home? But most of, the, most of those, if you go back and look through Donovan's Instagram quotes and you go click on the profiles, you know, it's WCHS 22, right? You know, B-H-H-S 21, You know, I made those up. It's not, I wasn't like trying to find specific schools, but that's what it said. Right. So those were high school kids. The majority, I actually think about 75, 80% of them. So that's, that tells us something like that tells us, you know, it's sad, but, but that's, that's education. That's parenting. That's schooling. That's, are we, what are we teaching our kids at school? Are we taking the time to go through our, our most difficult things? Right. You know, I'm always stunned as someone who's married to someone whose parents were jailed for being American citizens of the wrong race. When I ask people about it, they don't know anything about it, right? But my wife's parents were put in jail for three years as American citizens because of their race. So don't start talking about how we don't have a race issue in this country.
2: David, I don't know how you would have uh, reacted had you been brought up in the wrong household with uh, wrong thinking, but I do know that you were brought up in a, in a really good household, and uh, I remember watching that happen when I was young, and uh, being horrified by it uh, in my situation, and I think uh, you would have responded uh, every bit the same way, and it's a good thing. I, I, I'm hopeful, like you were talking about, that more and more people will be brought up the right way so that uh, eventually we can limit this uh, to the level we all hope it gets to. So and, and and you and I have talked about this before. I think it's important for people like you, David, who have. Uh, a high profile and have access to influencing people that, that you'll continue to speak out and do what you can in that regard, because it does make a difference.
1: I think it's the, I think supportive has changed. That, that's, this is the comment I've made. I think most of us, uh, and and probably here, as Donovan said on the ESPYs, I'm talking to the, you know, he said, I'm talking to the white population. I think this is talking, I think I'm doing that right now here. I think for most of us, we've been supportive, but our support has been passive and maybe scared. Didn't want to ruffle. I think it's time to be active and brave.
0: David Locke with us, ninety-seven-five in twelve-eighty, the zone. Uh, how much? you know, of this message do you think we're going to see in the Orlando bubble? You know, I've heard rumors about uh, you know, maybe on jerseys or on a court or, you know, I imagine this is going to be pretty top of mind for a lot of those players and will be top of mind for the whole event.
1: I mean, if I was LeBron and I was Donovan and I was Dean Lillard and I was James Harden I would tell my corporate sponsors, we're not doing anything unless it's Part of the message is Black Lives Matter. Like, I'm not doing anything. Do I, if you want me as your spokesperson, that's part of the message. Like, every message on every commercial has been about COVID for the last three months, right? Like, everyone. Like, every mm-hmm. company. Most every company has had some, like, our world changed, right? So, the, your marketing message changes. Like, that would be, so, from the TV standpoint, I would certainly be doing that if I was... Uh, one of these athletes. Um, And then I think, you know, the NBA has to show a tremendous amount of support, Uh, whether that's black lives matters is on the floor, whether that, I don't know what that is, whether it's on a a Jersey patch. I don't know what it is, but it, it, it better be, it's going to, and, and the players are going to demand it. And, and I think it's great. The players, the players are going to demand so much out of the league and teams in the upcoming years and if you're not on board and supportive there's going to be a price to pay
2: so david let me circle back to what you were talking about a minute ago about uh many of our listeners being uh white uh what suggestions do you have if if somebody wants to follow their heart and make a difference what what how can they do that what, what do you have have you thought about that at all I don't know the answer on that, and I
1: think that's what's been hardest for people. I mean, I think the first word that everyone's using is listen, right? Um, And and I'll share... If if I may, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna only share my own personal experiences because I don't really know how to tell anyone else to live. I'm probably not very you know I'm not. But th- so we uh, and this was just an eye opener for me recently. I thought this was a this was a good ex- example. I'm gonna probably you know I'm I'm gonna show my own ignorance here a little bit. And I think maybe that's it. Listen, and be willing to concede that it's not a personal attack on you. I think that would be my two things. One, is, it's not an attack on you. You know, just our societies have issues. They're real. The incarceration rate is real. You know, the age of terror is real. Okay, like it doesn't mean it's on you when someone talks about these things. So here, here I'll share a story. Unlocked on, we did a black lives round table. We had eight of our African actually they asked okay, here's here's point one. I, I first labeled as African American hosts, they all came back to me and said we'd like to be referred to black. Okay? I listened. So we had eight of our black hosts host a round table and talk about what their life experiences have been in America. And so I'm First on with them, and I said, "Hey, I'd like to have a really great open and have something that really catches everyone's attention. Real, just grab her." I was, I was thinking about like, "Hey, like I'm Ross Jackson from Louisiana, live in L.A., and then share your first really." obvious racist experience you had and then the next one hi i'm aaron freeman locked on falcons and then you you know i'm a father of two and then boom and so i think i'm doing this great grabbing open and ross says to me i'd really rather just be a human rather than be defined by when someone was racist toward me i was like oh that's a great point you're absolutely right. So, how do we open the show? I'm Ross Jackson. Grew up in Louisiana. Currently live in LA. I'm a stage manager at theater. I run the so and so website. I host Locked On Saints. And my mom is so and so. My dad is so and so. Hi, I'm Aaron Freeman, father of two. Da-da. I work in Atlanta. I host Locked On Falcons. Hi, I'm Chris Carter. I'm a lawyer. I like, we're humans. But I would have blown it. Right? Like, I, but I listened. The second one was we were going through topics, and I wanted to talk about when white America is being racist without realizing it. Okay, so that could be as simple as walking up to the African-American or the black and saying, what sport do you play? Right, doesn't seem like it, but to them it might, right? So that's my, these guys, I don't want to talk about that. That's for you. All right, great point. So You know what I let them do? I let them choose their topics. They talked about it. I thought it was brilliant. It was incredible. And the biggest takeaway I took from it, I had eight guys in eight different cities at all different ages. I had Tony Wiggins, the locked-on Jaguars, who had been a barber for 20 years, came out of the military, 50-some-odd years old. And I had Cody Davis, who's 22 years old, and just graduated from Lamar. Every single one of them had a story, all eight for eight of either be, of pulled over by the cops being called the n-word or someone in the neighborhood telling them they didn't belong all of them all eight mm. okay i'm an ignorant fool i didn't realize it was every single one mm. i knew it happened but i didn't realize that it's absolutely a part of every person's life who's grown up with black colored skin didn't realize it as much as i thought i was supportive
0: David so I think oh, I sorry, think that's David. part
1: of it. Sorry, I think that you got to listen, and I think you got to listen. I think you got to, and I think you got to be willing to hear, and then not take it personally. I, but I, you know what our exact direct actions are. I think companies have to make incredible efforts, and not companies have to make incredible efforts. And it's not one like you're not just adding one. You've got to create a culture inside your companies that are welcoming and that are willing to promote.
0: David Locke with us, and uh, changing the subject a little bit, David, and I, I do have some basketball stuff for you. I'm glad we're, we're talking about this, though. I think it's very productive. But I do want to ask you about the Jazz and their roster. And we've asked you over the past couple of weeks about uh, you know, making up for Boyan Bogdanovich's production, and we've talked about Mike Conley and Joe Ingles. Well, looking at the, the back part of the roster, David, as as kind of opportunities trickle down, who maybe in the back end of the roster is going to be relied upon a little bit more because the Jazz are short that particular player?
1: Well, I think that... The, well, I think George Niang, um, you know, is going to be vital. Um, you know, we're going to have other players get nicked here along the way and have little injuries and things like that that is probably going to change this as, you know, time goes on. Um, as everyone's getting ready and coming off this unique circumstance, I'm sure there's going to be some guys that come back with issues and some guys that, you know, have issues. And um, But I think the interesting one for me is Jarrell Brantley and Jawan Morgan. Um, and the reason I say that is you, you don't want to drop to the seventh seed and end up with the Lakers or Clippers in the first round. I guess it would be the Clippers. But if you're going to be three through six without home court advantage, I don't think it really matters. I know we all don't want to play the Rockets, but I'm not totally convinced that the Rockets are that much better than the Nuggets or the Thunder, right? Like, uh, and, Or the Mavericks are in there. I think the Mavericks are probably better than anyone. Um but so we we don't really – you don't really care because there's no home court advantage. So you actually, I think, have this unique opportunity to play someone like Jarrell Brantley or Juwan Morgan in these games against fellow NBA players in an NBA setting for some period of run and, and learn about them. You know, summer league is, is nice, but it's not the same thing as playing NBA guys, right? Like at this point, if Jarrell Brantley goes to summer league, you'd hope he dominates – And he wouldn't be playing a role at all similar to what he would do if he was playing in the NBA. Instead, he would be you know, probably playing with the ball in his hands and trying to make plays every time. So how does he do in an NBA setting? I think you've got a chance to play Juwan Morgan or Jarrell Brantley for four of the eight games at some amount of legitimate time. You might have to, frankly. But I think it's a great opportunity to learn – against NBA players in a manner that you would really never get to do again. You're never going to have an eight-game stretch again, hopefully, in which you don't really care about seeding and you don't care about some playoff things. Like I think that's a pretty interesting, interesting opportunity.
2: David, how do you feel about the various uh, NBA players who have opted out of returning to Orlando?
1: So, I mean – the Pollyanna answer here, Gordon, is who am I to judge what's going on in someone else's life without any of the knowledge to understand it, right? So, you know, eight, T- Trevor Ariza seems to have a unique visitation with his son that well, it makes some sense. Like, if I only got to see my son for a month, and like, and it was set in the summer, and then all of a sudden you told me I had to play, like, I made as much money as Trevor Ariza has in his life, and my career's at that stage. Like, makes a lot of sense. Davis Bertons you know, I think Washington is not particularly worried about making the playoffs. I don't think that was a high priority when they were in town when I saw them. Um, so I don't think it's a high priority now. And so to keep Davis Breton healthy and keep him happy and maybe be able to have almost promised him some sort of deal right now um, of some sort might make a lot of sense. Avery Bradley to me, don't quite get it. Got a championship on the line. Um, you're pretty darn important to that team and you're not going. Like that's surprising. Now, I don't know the whole story. I don't know what the reasoning might be and what other issues there might be to it and you know, you know who knows. Like, right? Like could be a mental health issue. There could be all sorts could be millions of things I don't know about. But just on the surface, uh that surprises me. I'll be curious to see what the locker room's like for him if, you know, when he comes back in November and he's on a, if he's on that same roster and then uh i i think it has an enormous impact on the on the season like I, I you know i think Avery Bradley is part of the laker championship team and a pretty big part of a laker championship game 23 24 minutes a night they're a much better defensive team when he's on the floor um Alex Caruso is a decent fill in but he's not Avery Bradley <laughs>
0: David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, David, curious to your thoughts on what the Knicks are doing. They hired Leon Rose uh, basically to run the show. We know Walt Perrin is going to join that staff, and we know how good he is at his job. Just terrific. And now today they hire Worldwide West. It's What do you th- what do you make of, of how they're constructing a front office?
1: Well, I mean, I think Leon Rose is driving the ship, and everyone I've ever talked to about, I don't know Leon Rose. I've never met him. Um, I don't have any personal um, knowledge of him, but everybody who does know him speaks very highly of his competence. So uh, I'm going to assume that the Knicks, um, until James Dolan has an impact, are trying to build a reasonable, responsible uh, front office. And then we'll see how long they can do that before it gets impacted.
2: Uh, David, do you have – I know you're not in the guessing business, but I'm I'm wondering if you think that any team other than the Lakers, Bucks, or Clippers has a chance at a title.
1: Um, I think the Raptors have a speed element, and I can't figure out what the impact on that would be as we come back. They're faster than everyone else. They play at a little bit of different tempo than everyone else, just kind of around the floor. Um, so I think they're worth the discussion. Um, I mean, I'm not still quite, I mean, I, when the Rockets went small, I thought they could make a little bit of a run cause I liked for their numbers, what they were doing, but I don't know that that's going to hold. Um, so, you know, I'm not like, I know Denver had all the hype around them and all that, and they were talking a big game. I'm not sure I'm buying in. Um, am I forgetting? You know, so Philadelphia and Boston are the next two, right? That you'd be mentioning. You know, we saw Boston recently and beat them, so it's hard to feel like they're on that level quite yet. I don't think they quite have the maturity in the team for that. Um, Philadelphia has been just, they're not right. They don't, it's not put together right. Philadelphia is one that's mentioning to me. They clearly didn't gel all sorts of stories about them not getting along. Like, when they come back, does it make it worse? Do they all just dread coming back? And this is going to be so, so fascinating. I mean, I was uh, – I saw one of our coaches today uh, just to catch up and just chat, uh, Miss the, you know, miss these guys a lot. And uh, just the concept of, of life in Orlando. And, and when you really, really start to think about it. You know, no escapism, no no conversation that's not basketball. Nobody involved in your life that's not basketball. Um, you know, Jake, you like to go out to a bar every now and then, right?
0: Occasionally, yes.
1: Right, like you, like I, I, like somehow when we like talk about an NBA player going to a bar, it sounds like it like it has an aura to it, right? Right, it's like, so nefarious, people, yeah. Like, right, right, right. So my point is, I'm not trying to pick on you, but like. 28-year-old guys like to go to a bar every now and then have a few drinks, tie one on a little bit, relax a little bit, get a break, right? Right. Like I don't think you're doing that, right? Because you're supposed to be socially distanced and there's no real like, – so how are guys, like, getting their drink on? And I don't mean, like, getting drunk. I mean, just, like, like being a 25-year-old kid.
2: Right? Right. Shuffleboard. <laughs>
1: right. Like – I mean, there's a bunch of layers to this. There's, you know, oh, what about the women? Like, okay, well, like, that's probably part of the discussion here. Right? Like, most of these guys aren't probably going 60, 90 days without very often. (laughs) Right. Right? Like... (laughs) Like I just like, how is it gonna work? It's just like when we talk about like this championship and who's the favorite and who's not. Like all of those conversations are being done out of what we've seen in a regular world. And you know, I mean, I think there's gonna be mental health crisis for some of the players. Like if you can't get away and it starts to eat at you, like that really feels like a really bad script, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is a really good point. I mean, yeah. Or is this going to manifest itself out on the court?
1: So, like, when we talk about these teams and the, we just – and I don't even know what basketball is. I mean, I'm assuming it's still the same. It's 48 minutes and the same rules and the same players, but maybe not. Like, maybe it was going to be an entirely different style of game without fans and without – and the I got to feel like I, – I, I'm not saying it's going to be right or wrong, but the officiating is going to be different. I don't know how, but it – they're humans, so no crowd, quieter, being able to hear people more, being able to not be caught up in the, in the crowd momentum has to impact officiating. Right? But I also think, like, so you used to go, like, this is a normal thing. You have a crappy game. You go out with a few buddies. You have a few drinks. You go to shoot. You don't get wasted. I mean, fine. where do you get wasted. I don't actually care, right? Like I, I covered Gary Payton. The stories are are legendary. Like there's a story about Gary Payton in between a weekend playoff game, staying in L. A. to party with Salt and Peppa, coming back like first thing in the morning, going to shoot around, taking a nap, and dropping forty. <laughs> right? Like who am I to judge? Right. So, like, how are you like getting away? What about the fact like that all the players are together? So, what's the impact? Like, the impact? Like, I don't know. Like, your teammates driving you bananas. You used to go home and not think about it, not worry about it, get away from it. Now you're not getting away from it. That teammate's probably at the same place you are, or you're talking to two of your buddies, like or Jason Tatum's talking to Al Horford, his teammate last year, and Al Horford's going, oh, my God, Tobias Harris is such a pain in the ass. Right? And Jason Tatum's like, I know Jalen Brown's pontificating about Black Lives Matters Every minute we're in the locker room, we'll never shut up. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. Those stories, by the way, were made up and hypothetical of and course. not fair representations of Al Horford or Jason Tatum.
0: <laughs>
1: all good. Just, like, they're all I'm like, so the Jazz are in the same hotel as the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, does that have an impact? I don't have any idea. But it's insane to start thinking about. I wish, I got to tell you, after the conversations today, I don't really want to be away from my family for two months, but boy, would I love to go. Yeah. I would love to be there and see what this is going to be. I'd love to know what this can be.
0: Well, David, thank you as always for jumping on with us. You always give us something to think about. All right. Thank you. Thanks,
1: buddy. Keep writing great stuff, Gordon. Jake, keep going to the bar and drinking. I'll do my best.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Oh, that was good.
0: There's our good friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll get that up online shortly at 1280thezone.com. All right, 97.5 and 1280thezone.